commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Chris Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News. Your whole net news show for in-depth coverage of all the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now for your news segment rundown for December 27th, 2020. Reading Rathtar. Kyber Crystal Comics Corner. But first, Gallery The Mandalorian Season 2 released on Christmas Day. Now the house, Ben Granted Adam to discuss. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Grex. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm sorry this is coming out a couple days later than usual. Um, you know, things happen, and uh, we came out a little late this week. But uh, it is great to be back talking about Star Wars, and we're going to start uh, rounding up some things that um, we have been neglecting because uh, Mandalorian Season 2 was taking up all of our time. But um, before we move on from Mandalorian Season 2, we got this uh, uh, gift under our proverbial christmas tree um that was um this gallery episode released right on christmas um what did you guys think about this episode this was way more comprehensive than i thought we were going to get um from this gallery episode yeah i don't think i realized it was going to be a single episode that covered the entire season and so it was good um the first season, I really enjoyed how you had separate episodes about the music and about the effects yeah. and about this. And this was more of a really just kind of chronologically walking you through the eight episodes and then also revisiting some of the stuff, though, I will say now just realizing back, there wasn't really any talk about music in this gallery episode, was there? No, there wasn't. Not a lot of yeah. music talk, no. Um, I have a feeling this was a little more quote-unquote slapdash than the first series. This felt more like just compiling behind-the-scenes interviews while they were filming, um, which, given the year and everything we've been going through with COVID, might be all they could do, right, with this right. with this production. Um, but I enjoyed it. You know, I always, you know me, I always love behind-the-scenes stuff, and it gave me some some realizations. And to see, you know, not to spoil anything major, but to see George Lucas wandering around the yeah. set is always Oh, yeah, awesome. and then, and, you know... Dave and John and crew handing George the child like that was yeah. pretty special. And just seeing how the child, how everyone interacted with the child throughout was always, you know, fun to see. But I, I love that this was a methodical kind of look at all eight episodes and we got in depth with the effects and the acting yeah. and the directing for each episode. Like, I really thought that was really that was a smart way to do it because I did like the first season of the gallery. But it's it's nice to do this and then i would love to do maybe one more on the music or one more on you know there's some tidbits that they they left out and you know understand understandably so uh I, I, the luke stuff i think was missing from the entire I, episode, which i yeah, noticed right yeah. away i was like oh there's, there's they're not going to talk about luke in this okay it's, it's not very much be. unclear whether they're going to do any more gallery episodes at least we i haven't read or heard anything that they're going to do more but it nope. did yeah now that you're saying it definitely the luke uh, the absence of all the Luke stuff. Um, and then, yeah, now that I think about it, um, and I know we've been talking offline a lot about the music since the series was over. I mean, there was so much content to sort of dwell on. We kind of glanced over the music, but I finally got a chance to really just listen to the soundtracks um, and their breathtaking. Um, and he did the soundtracks on Spotify different. Um, he didn't do everything. He just sort of did a great uh, two volumes, volume one, volume two, greatest hits. Yeah. Um, and they're yeah. very good. Ahsoka Lives, probably yeah. my favorite track from season two. I adore that uh, yeah. composition. Yeah. 
There's too many that I like to pick one right now. I still got to, I got to keep listening to it more, but I I agree. That's a fantastic track. I even like the ship one. It's called like ship ahoy or something. Oh yeah. That one's good. Yeah. 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 I haven't really, I've not heard the uh, Ahsoka one yet because I am the only person in the world who doesn't have a Spotify premium account. Uh, (laughs) I own too many things. I have too many streaming services uh and so i just have i create my own playlist off of these stuff but i, I can only listen on random i can, I can only so it hasn't come up yet but i'm looking forward to it all right i love seeing the chemistry of all the creatives in this series and uh yeah. especially that of uh the relationship between john and uh, dave filoni <laughs> early on you see a moment where john's trying to you know get mando to say mcclunky and dave's like no we can't do that and it's just john you know pulling dave's leg but it, it was just like that dynamic is hilarious and i just want yeah. more back and forth from them in future you know I, I i think their relationship is really funny like they they're they seem like they're having a really really you know fun time making these episodes yeah and not just yeah. those two i mean right. a lot of them Bryce Dallas Howard was just like, you know, actually said it feels like we're playing Star Wars in our backyard, um, you know, and just like there's a lot of people. Um, Robert Rodriguez was, you know, they, they all seem to really enjoy doing this, is, which is as it should be. It can be very tedious work if you're not really loving it. Yeah, it seems like a joy to work on. Like everyone just seems to love everyone. And um, it's it, it, the, the actors seem like they respect one another, the, the actors and the directors and you know, what's interesting is it it seems like maybe this season, I don't know, John Favreau might have been on a little bit less. I think he even said what he, he wanted to direct because, you know, first season he wanted to be around all the yeah. time. Right. He felt it looked like he was pretty down and out directing his episode by himself. And he likes the collaboration. He likes yeah. to have another creative yeah. on set to bounce ideas off of. And you can totally see that when you see the, the behind the scenes footage of John interacting with people. He lo- he gets giddy just you know, talking about Star Wars with people. Like, that's what I mean, he gets excited and about. And it's, it's yeah, like, you're yeah. directing an episode by yourself. You don't you don't have that opportunity yeah. to maybe bounce ideas off of someone. I mean, he's basically the George Lucas, right? Because George Lucas was around for a lot of the shooting of Empire and a lot of the shooting of Jedi. The difference seems to be is that people enjoy having John Favreau around them more than George Lucas coming in. Like, some of the most famous scenes in in Empire, when you hear the behind the scenes of Empire, is just when like, when when George was a was away, uh, Kirshner was just like, okay, good, we can do the scene. Like George isn't here, let's do it. Let's just do it. Like let's do it before let's sneak it before Dad sees what we're doing, right? right. And like Mark Juan was basically just a puppet, in a lot of ways. Not to be mean about Mark Juan, but like, but here it seems like all the directors, and I don't know if this is just the Disney machine, but the the directors seem to really appreciate having. Favre wandering around and helping them break things out and think about how to do things. Yeah, he's right. seen, his, his experience he's, as an actor probably helps with that, right? Yeah. I mean, like he's his early, you know, roles in Made and Swingers, all those kind of movies he was in. I mean, like he's he's an actor as well, and so I think that helps him when he's trying to relate, you know, direct his actors and relay emotion and and talk about dialogue. It just it's so helpful to have some of that experience. I think don't don't forget his arc on the show Friends. Oh right. <laughs> I just did some friends trivia over the holidays. That was <laughs> the most fun. Awesome. The multimillionaire MMA fighter wannabe. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he also, I mean, he seemed very present all over the place. There was a scene yeah. then with the second unit director talking about like how, you know, Mandalorian should follow some people going down a hallway. And for people that don't know, second unit is usually like 
a bunch of people run down a hallway. Like that's the stuff they're shooting. Not very, you know, it's, it's not the really key, you know, close up shots on main stars sort of stuff. And they did mention that they had two units going the whole time. Um, I think it's, I think it's fantastic that he was there and doing that. It's also, it's a little odd because he's the writer and usually writers aren't on set. Um, and so that I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting, but he's also the director. He is the Lucas and he is sort of, he is that gateway to the Lucasian like vision that Favreau had when he, when he put this together. And, um, yeah, it, 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 I think it's, this is the way, right? Like yeah. to have, you have great directors and then you have sort of star Wars visionaries that don't have to do the, you know, the heavy lifting of the day-to-day shooting, but just keep that they get the, the devil in the details yeah. and, um, I, and really tweak it to make it, it fun. I just gotta, all right. I, I thought maybe we get through the episode talk, not talking about the, the sequel trilogy, but imagine what it would have been like if you had JJ plotting it out, directing the first one, and then overseeing the next two, right? Handing off to J- handing off to Ryan Johnson and then keeping Colin Trevorrow there, but him still being there as kind of the story, the the main person driving yeah. it, being in there, you know, it would have felt more cohesive and we would have felt a plan kind of coming together from the beginning. Similar yeah. to what we're feeling in The Mandalorian. Yeah. We'll, we will never know, but no, I, no. I hope, you know, um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy has forgotten more about film than I will ever know. Um, and she definitely, I think is learning as she's going and hopefully, you know, she sees the same things we see and this will hopefully be what goes in the future. I mean, we'll see what happens with Patty Jenkins, uh, rogue squadron, who's involved in that. But I I really think there's room for Filoni and Favreau, um, or at least Filoni, you know, to be around on set there sort of doing subtle tweaks that are going to make, um, make the movie that much better. I just generally, I think in creating any sort of art. Two heads are better than one. Or don't multiple. you don't you have a feeling in the, like the Mandoverse, like Favreau is going to stick around on the Mandalorian and be that showrunner. I'm just going to give him that title of showrunner. It's a little different, yeah. you know, but let's just say showrunner. And then Filoni's going to walk over to Ahsoka and take all the lessons he learned from John Favreau and just be around the entire thing of Ahsoka. And then and then Robert Rodriguez is going to go off and do Boba and do the same thing. And then we don't know who's doing Rangers of the New Republic, though. I hope it's. Um, um, Rick Fayuma. Then, well, they did say Fayuma. Yeah, they, they did say early on that this show would act as an incubator for the Star Wars talent, basically yeah. for directors yeah. and producers to come out of this show and these series to then direct, you know, live action films at some point when you know theaters, you know, seem safe again if there if there is a market for you know a trilogy in the future. Um, and I, I'm, I I wouldn't be surprised if Filoni is a you know a part of the writing process for the oh, next yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be the direction his career's heading. Yeah, it's really, obviously they're doing something fantastic here. And so this gallery episode is a great way to sort of peek behind and see what they're doing. Um, you mentioned bringing in new directors in like the talent farm. And we got two new ones this season, Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez. Um, and they're both fantastic. You know, it was again, great to see how much they love star Wars. Um, I really loved the the Robert Rodriguez section. There was quite a bit of it there. And it was really Robert yeah. Rodriguez and Tamara Morrison sort of developing Boba Fett. And you got you got the feeling that Book of Boba is in very good hands and they're gonna have a lot of fun and they're gonna make really, really good um yeah. a really good series there with Boba Fett. 
um, they finally they got they got the that's the magic combination. I mean, Rodriguez seems like a god. Like he just he walks around with his guitar. Oh man, cool! Like looks like such a hippie. But then you think about the movies he makes and yeah. how intense they are, and yeah. and how beautiful they are, and um and the way I don't know. I was I was talking to Grant before you hopped on, um, Adam, and I was just like, I can't believe I like Boba Fett more. You know, yeah. right? No, I'm the same way. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and then seeing what went behind the scenes there with, you know, Tamora Morrison really reaching into his Maori heritage and, you know, them using the, they used a gaffy stick. They had him fight with a gaffy stick because it's very similar to a Maori club, with yeah. what they, they fought with. And I was like, oh, that's that's so great. And I mean, I think it just it's I, I was blessed to be able to go to New Zealand for a few months um, a long time ago. And um, I just thought it was really cool that they made all the clone warriors out of like the original fierce warrior, which is the Maori warrior. And um, it's really nice that they're going to, you know, pop in some of those cultural yeah. uh, pinpoints to to, um, you know, make it. Nice. It's going to make him feel like an authentic character, right? Because he's not just a Mandalorian. In fact, he just says what <laughs> the last time we see the last episode, he says, I never said I was right when they asked. Yeah. He said he was a Mandalorian. He's not right. And so, yeah, I. I I'm with you, Ben, 100%, because, like, my journey with Boba Fett is just, like, thought he was the coolest thing when I was a kid because he's just scary. Like, he's a scary dude. His armor's awesome. He says, like, four lines. It's great. Like, no disintegrations. That's, like, your first... This guy disintegrates people. Like, that's your first introduction. Then we get the the prequel trilogy, and I'm just like, all right, don't... I was kind of the baby Boba Fett. Like, we don't really need this, but I like Django. I like yeah. Django a lot. So I was like, okay, Django's cool. And he's basically going to turn into Django and Django's going to be Boba. So I could get over that. And then the Clone Wars stuff did a really good job with, with, with Boba Fett. I thought it was a really interesting story, but I was just like, all right, that's enough. And then I remember when the three of us, uh, with our same others were walking in to see solo, they had announced at that point or like rumored announced that they're going to make a Boba Fett movie by uh, Mangold. That's going to direct it. Remember that rumor? Yeah, that yeah. was there. And I was excited by that. And the more I thought about that, though, I was just like, I don't know. I don't this this character can't front. It's like I just had this whole thing like Boba's not a good enough character to front its own his own movie. And then he's in three episodes of this show. Yeah. And in three episodes, I'm like, yep. He should get his own series. I want this character. I want to know this character's story. Like, that is amazing work to be able to do that with this character. Yeah. I think what's so smart about this show is it brings in these different expressions of a Mandalorian warrior or yes. a warrior in Mandalorian armor. If that's what you yeah. want to, you know, if you want to yeah. get technical. I mean, Boba Fett is, with the direction they're taking Boba Fett is so fascinating. I mean, like, I, I guess he's living up to his characterization in the comics, which is this kind of wrathful, lethal uh, tactic tactful kind of bounty hunter that's, yeah. that's out there in the galaxy. But I, a lot of people I can see, I think there's two ways to read this character. I almost feel like it's Batman, essentially. I think you could do this character as a grizzled, you know, underworld, uh, um, you know, bounty hunter or headhunter. Or you could do this character as kind of like an investigator, probably more more intelligent using his wits. Because I think like when you watch the original trilogy, he's kind of a smart character. Like the way he... He goes about hunting Han and hiding, you know, on the star on the Star Destroyer, and, and there's lots of there's lots of scenes with Boba Fett that I think I think you could pr- characterize that character in different ways, and I think they could explore yes. all these different sides to that character. But the direction they're taking him right now, it, it's a fun direction. We don't yeah. know who this character is yet, really. Yeah, I mean, if if you've watched uh, the Clone Wars, I mean, well, starting with the you know we, he's just a kid, right, that has a decapitated father, um, and probably hates Jedi, right, in the beginning. 
Um, but if you watch the Clone Wars animated series, um, you saw a child that was a petty criminal and spent time in the penal system. Um, then you saw him sort of into low level grifting and, you know, doing, you know, thieves and jobs like that. And then he sort of works his way up into being a hitman for a very powerful gangster. So he's sort of rising through the ranks of the criminal underworld. And I really think he's he's going to use all this knowledge and become a kingpin. And and um, and, and now it's, it's time to rule and be a boss. Yeah. Um, and, and really, as we see him at the end of the series, right. he's sitting on the throne. And um, that that makes a lot of sense as an arc for him. And he could be a really clever boss. And I think what I'm getting from the little bit we get with him is he's lawful neutral, right? If you're going to use this in D&D terms. And I like that characterization because it's not the same thing as like where you're watching a Breaking Bad where you just have to root for the evil guy. Like Boba Fett's, yeah. he's not good or bad. He just has a set. He has a code, has a code. that he lives by. And I respect that code in, in The Mandalorian where he's just like, it's interesting to go from the super scary dude. Like, because if you're just someone who only watches the movies, right, much like my wife, and really doesn't really didn't really watch the prequels all that much to her. Boba Fett's this bounty hunter, scary dude, you know, and then next time we see him, he we get a little more behind the mask of like, yeah, I, I do. I am. I am. You know, I am intimidating. Well, there's scary, been a sort of mockery because... made about his death. Like that's the kind yeah. of elephant in the room, right? He's it's kind of like he, he kind of felt like a chump. He yeah. went out like a chump. And I think people didn't mind that that was the, the, the course of action for him. Because I think, like, to bring him back, you're only going to get this action movie, right? Like, to bring him back yeah. anyway, it's just yeah. going to be high octane action thriller. And it's like, do we need that in Star Wars? I think Star, I think people want to hit more a range of emotions with yeah. Star Wars storytelling. But with different series now, with this diaspora of different series we're getting, you can have these fine tuned series. There are that is yeah. that Boba Fett show that maybe you know you didn't think was right for as a a main line for for Star Wars content. It's more of just an offshoot. It's just one of the many now offshoots that we're going to get. Yeah. But yes. I mean, you watch him in Empire. He's just he's going after his target. He's he's yeah. part of the bounty hunter guild. He has a code. He doesn't know or care that that Han Solo is one of the main people in the rebellion. He's part of the bounty hunters guild. He has a contract. He's following that contract. Yeah. And then so now he's going to evolve more. And we know he's, yeah. he's watched Job of the Hut. Job of the Hut has a code. As we learned from, from the comics um, with him, mm -hmm. he's actually a very clever, clever gangster. And I think that's yeah. his that's Boba Fett's masterclass. Um, yeah. Only I think Boba has a different code and that, you know, that will springboard us off into whatever comes next he's, with Robert Rodriguez. His code is he doesn't look for loopholes, right? Like Boba, I mean, I feel like Jabba is the type of person who would make a statement <laughs> and look for the loopholes in that statement. Right. Yeah, and Boba exactly. Fett just said, like, no, I said I would help you get the child, save the child. The child's not safe. I'm going to help you save, save the child. I don't, and everyone was telling him, you don't have to do this. And his mind's like, yeah, no, I did. Like, that is what I meant by that statement. I may have not said the exact right words, but in my mind, I knew what I meant when I said, I will help you save the child. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of telling, you know, you mentioned he was in three episodes, but only one of those was directed by, um, by Robert Rodriguez. And that's yeah. obviously when we get the depth to his character. And then he was used very much classic Boba Fett uh, by Peyton Reed um, and um, Famuyiwa. Yeah, that was the yes. one that he did. The um, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he because he was just like, no, I'm like a rifleman again. And I'm just, you know, he's the driver, like the best yep, you know, driver yep. in a heist ever. Um, and um, yeah, let's and just say you know, they might recognize my face. face. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the only line he needs, right? Yeah. 
That's a hilarious line, by the way. Which, se- which series is Famuyiwa going to get? You think? Uh, if he's going to get anything right now, it's got to be Rangers and the Republic because that's the only one that doesn't have someone attached to it. I mean, we don't know who's attached to Ahsoka, but we all know who's attached to Ahsoka, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, right. Right. It's gonna yeah. Be funny. I wouldn't but mind you taking over Mandalorian altogether. Yeah, really. Like, yeah. I, he's he's been doing such a superb job with these character this character set, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, Rangers you might still maybe Favre walks over. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, we still yeah, need maybe directors Favre. for the main thing. I'm so yeah, sorry. totally. No, no, we keep doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. So some other things, uh, just some like high level stuff about this. I noticed um, it's a lot of Fabra. You mentioned uh, Lucas uh, on set. We saw Lucas and Grogu, which was, you know, definitely a Instagram moment. Um, there's also a really quick shot of him just having a laugh on set with Rosario Dawson. In her yeah, but oh, that's a meme already, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> great. So, yeah. Um, it's a chuckles meme um one thing if, i was you really have a bad hot take that is a great meme for that yeah, if you have a hot take about the sequel trilogy yes yeah, that's a great meme that for that. There. yeah <laughs> just put that there all right noted um i won't be doing that um there I, I noticed there was a lot of doug chang like he oh, yeah he's been around since the prequels um i i worship at the older doug chang he's a beautiful concept artist i mean and, he but he got a lot of time prequels. it's like that's yeah, that's like, wow, that's a, yeah, um, I think, yeah, I mean, he, he understands um, Ralph McQuarrie is um, good as anyone. And um, yeah, I was really surprised how present he was on set um, yeah. and really pleased. It's like usually like, yeah, he works on features. It almost seems like he seems like he is the gatekeeper of like McQuarrie design, like the design archives at Lucasfilm. Like if you come up with something on a script, like it will then go to, you know, story group, things like that. They'll talk about it. And then, you know, and then if it's like, then Doug Chang, Chang will see it with the art, you know, the art department. And they're going to be like, how can we create that? But using, you know, the source code, the source content for, you know, star Wars, which is all the McQuarrie and stuff and things like that. And it's, yeah. and then you saw with the ice spiders, he was like, well, we have, we have a spider. It's in the archives. It's in the McQuarrie you know, those first concept art that McQuarrie rendered for us. And it's, and it looks like it could be from an ice planet. And so let's just transport it there. And it was just such a simple idea, but I was like, I was like, you really do need, you do need that sort of checks and balance uh, system for, for, for that stuff to, to work right for the aesthetic to kind of meld together and be cohesive. It's like, you really do need to have those checks and balances when it comes to how to bring in this, this art asset that we, that we've always wanted to use, but we just don't know, you know, what the right path is or the right story is for it. And, and it was cool to also see Peyton Reed react to the ice spiders being like, I love the pulpy <laughs> serial like style yeah. of this show. And like, I can't wait to get into it. feels like what George was inspired by. And in a lot of ways I agree with that. I think the show is, it does feel like a serial kind of like flash Gordon, like a, a kind of Buck Rogers kind of thing. Yeah, it's totally. great to have them there. And I hope they keep it, it's nice to know there are these people that worked with Lucas for so long, like Doug Chang and Dave Filoni and they and Kathleen Kennedy. And I just hope they sort of keep this thing up. It's just like, you know, they worked with um Chang and Filoni worked with Lucas for almost a decade each, and like they, you know, now are now they're they're ready to they understand it fully and are, you know, imbued with this this knowledge and um and they're passing it along. And and I hope they that's a tradition that keeps going for a long time. Yeah. Um, anything else? There was a lot of practical sets. They shot outside. Yeah. 
for a bunch of these. Um, which I think cool. that was super surprising. Was I think a quick? I'll rattle off some that I was surprised by. Well, not surprised by, but just I I knew you know that something could have been practical or something was on location. I just didn't know where. And the on lo- the episode. Um, uh, I don't know what number it is. The one where Boba Fett basically gets his armor back. Uh, the armor, right? Is that what that one's called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he gets his armor back. Uh, they shot that in Simi Valley. I knew that was in California. I just didn't know where. And it just that's that was fun to learn there, that. There's... All the all the practical models too. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. Like there was like a, the junkyard planet that uh, Mayfeld's on. Yeah, that's that was practical. practical. You know, field of junk. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and the um, the light cruiser that they did it the old school way, where they actually built a light cruiser, a scale light cruiser, and shot around it. And I was like. My guys, that's like yeah, yeah. John Knoll, John Knoll's been doing that in his, yeah. I guess his workshop. That's kit bashing. Yeah. Area, yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like they actually created a creature shop on um, location, which is cool. Obviously, they they reused a lot, but they made a lot of new. Um, they made a lot of new costumes and creature designs, yeah. um, which was great. Um, yeah, actually, the the volume itself changed yeah. a little bit as well. It got bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said it's like a hundred feet by 20 feet tall now. And they said they improved the led lights, um, so that they could actually do low lighting better. And they yeah. showed examples of some like, um, stuff with that. So they, you know, they, they're upgrading their, their video system there yeah. and making it better, which you'd assume they would do. Um, yeah, bigger and better. Yeah. And speaking of the volume, uh, the navigation room in the slave one, did you guys catch that? Yeah. That yeah. was very cool to see the, the whole room yeah. kind of rotate. And that's all just virtual. That's on the actuality walls. Yeah. The interior of the slave one to see that rotate. Cause I think a lot of fans have probably been dying to see, you know, how the inner workings of that ship, you know, looked like and things like that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, the I volume all the way out on that. Yeah. All the way here. out. And I'm so glad they're like, we put a lot of work in this, by the way. So I hope you appreciate it. I do appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, Great. The volume is such a game changer that I don't think people are talking enough about outside of the show. Like, it's going to change filmmaking. Like, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. Um, this episode, be- it is. Yeah, this episode helped me realize why I think lightsabers, new lightsabers look weird to me. And now I'm okay with them. But the fact that they're actually, like, lit on scene yeah. on screen and that they actually have the they actually have the lighting effect off of them they look right. like real they look like what lightsabers look like in real but if you think about it, you go back to the old movies yeah. you don't see that right you see the lighting change yeah. around them and so it was weird where i'm like oh that's why so because lightsabers looked weird to me and it really helped me it i know it sounds weird but just seeing them like behind the scenes i'm like okay now i'm fine like now when i yeah. see it because even the sequel trilogy they were doing a bit of that and it just felt oh they definitely weird. were i think that's yeah. a jj idea actually yeah um, and yeah, it, that's a change that's like not Lucasian, but definitely a change for the better. Because yeah, light yeah. is everything in filmmaking and it just they're so beautiful and it makes so much sense to be able yeah. to have the light off the lightsaber. And like, I loved how they used them in the Ahsoka episode with her just hiding and then suddenly yeah. being up by her lightsabers and then going in the dark again. But it was nice to see the behind the scenes and realize, oh, process, that's what's going on with that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty much everything. That I want to talk about. I thought there was one more, but now I'm I'm blanking on it. But it, uh, surprising yeah. to me uh, was that the, there were people inside the dark trooper uh, suits. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actor, yeah. Actor, like, I thought yeah. that was totally CGI. Yeah, hundred percent there. Stunt stunt actors in yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I thought that was totally CGI. 
and then now I'm gonna. I can't imagine they were all the same height, so I imagine that that in post they just matched their heights in post, move yeah. people up and down. But uh, that's that's wild. I would love to look back at that episode and just see if I can spot anything that could tell you know, yeah, that can make me understand there's a person in there. We hit on it a little bit. I really liked the segment with Rosario Dawson and how. Like how how serious she takes this and how much she geeks out about it and how much she wants to be and figure this stuff out mm-hmm. and and just the fighting style, right? I thought it was really that little segment was really thoughtful about yeah, what is they spent yeah. a lot of time showing how much fighting training that um Rosario Dawson went through for that. Um I really liked they they made sure to slide in a scene where Filoni is mentioning uh Toshiro Mafuni and like Kurosawa films and like this mm-hmm. is how we're gonna do it. Um and then we saw Favre name check uh, Sergio Leone to um, Cobb Vanth um, yeah. uh, and, you know, sort of that. And it's like they, those are like the obligatory callbacks like that will yeah, always right. be ground yeah. zero starting point, the like yeah. genesis of. That. And I, I think that made me really happy because if Filoni does, you know, it does have something to do with the next trilogy or the next film series of any kind. I, I do hope he brings in that kind of that lethal uh, like sam- samurai, you know, sword sword style, like fighting style where it's like slow, it's methodical and, you know, one wrong move and you're dead. Like, I really like the lethality of his kind of his choreography and how he and the slowness of his choreography and it allows like allows a conversation to occur. I, I really hope we get, yeah. you know, some slower lightsaber fights in the future. Yeah, that's a very good thing. It's not that like I mean I, I adored the prequels because it was so f- there's so much flourish, there's so much polish, there's so much yeah, you it's know, like frenetic. Yeah, um, but it was like more of a dance than it was sort of just that that basic without you know like you said lethality, and right. I think that was a direct you know Lucas did that intentionally because the original trilogy was so derivative to the Kurosawa movies um, and the the samurai fighting style. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, I want to see more of that as well. Me too. Rad. Um, the only other thing, the graffiti scene was pretty cool. Yep. I don't know. They talked about the graffiti and they actually showed Filoni like putting a little Ahsoka tag on like the wall. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but it was like Ahsoka's like, like face and a tag and like yeah. Favreau's kid did some and they all worked on it. You just knew when they showed that in like episode one that there was like, there was going to be a story behind it. And it was a uh, David Cho was the the primary artist on that. Um, yeah. And um, that was really, really great. But um, yeah, yeah. It was kind it, of like an, we'll an expression of like galactic history, right? Like it's yeah. kind of abstract, interesting. It was pretty, really cool. Yeah. Uh, and even they're like, I'd, they'll, be, they'll, I'd be remiss not to mention the like segment with Rick Fumiwa talking about his episode and uh, talking about how Star Wars is oftentimes, vision, you know, seen in stark ways and, and how he wanted to explore the moral ambiguity of the world and, and, and how he wanted to push the envelope. And I really, really, really thought that was interesting. And I just want to see more work from from him and yeah. his mind uh, after after yeah. hearing him talk on that, that uh, inside too. look. Right. Did he write that episode? Yeah, he yes. did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I echo that. We talked a lot about those the dialogue there with um Bill Burr's character Mayfield and um yeah, it seems after this it was a very intentional choice. And yeah. again, I mean I'm we can't say it enough, like give Famayua whatever he wants. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Come Crystal Comics All right, and we're back with comics once again. It's been I don't know, like eight weeks. It's been a while. It's been yeah. a while, but uh too long too long too too long i'm very excited to get back to these 
Um, we are five, as of recording, we are five issues behind on the various comics, but we're going to cover four because <laughs> we're going to cover one from each series that came out. So luckily they're, for us, they're releasing them a little slower than they used to be. So we're not too far behind, but I thought it'd be fun to cover uh, Bounty Hunters number seven, Dr. Afford number six, Star Wars number nine, and Darth Vader number eight. So I'm going to kind of, we're going to go through these in release, release orders. And uh, so let's hop on with Bounty Hunters number seven. Uh, Target Valance Part 2, Collateral Damage by Sax, Villanelli, Prianto, Lanham, and Bermigio. Uh, or Bermijo, I should say. Uh, here's my short summary. Uh, Zuckus and Forlom quickly catch up to Valance and Cardella, um, the heir of two crime syndicates. After round two, Valance is able to buy safety from for his charge, negotiate a few days head start for himself, and say goodbye to his past love. All for the price of a gem or something. I don't really remember. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think of this issue? Uh, Forlom and Zuckus are awesome. Yeah. I he mean, is, Zuckus talking in the third person is... I'm, I'm here for it. And yeah. Forlom's dialogue in this comic? Like, you know, 10 out of 10. All right? It was <laughs> yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, I... I was really balanced. Nervous. On the other hand, I'm he's still gonna win my uh, my uh, my love. I, I the character is not like a character I sympathize with entirely yet. I, I don't know. If I should be caring about this character. I don't know what to do in terms of this character's. I, if role. Star Wars comics are telling us anything, it's that we should care about balance. They are trying to convince us that every month. I've never read a story where the main character finds out his one true love is married and living happily with another partner and been happy about that. And I am because I feel like Valance deserves that. Yeah. He, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, he loved her so much. He didn't want her to live with any sort of pain. All right. That was his yeah. justification. Sure. <laughs> Good thinking Valance. He's a selfless like, Jedi is... of a cyborg. That's exactly what we need in star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zuckus, though, is pretty cool. And it was cool to, to Zuck for Zuckus to kind of like get the upper hand at one point. Like, I was, it was a good comic for Zuckus and for Lom. Like, we, I would love to see them do other things other than confront Valance. Like, it'd be fun to see them go do, you know, their own romp, some sort of adventure. Give them a comic. I've been dying for like a Bosque comic with like the text to look like, you know, all, you know, hey. metal and like, yeah, like a metal. I have a, yes. I have a really crazy idea. <laughs> Maybe we should have a comic that's all about the different bounty hunters in Star Wars, and we could call it Bounty Hunters. Oh wait, no, that title's <laughs> taken. Sorry, title taken. Do that by the Valance story. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone's been paying attention to our coverage of Bounty Hunters, yeah, we're kind Again, of hitting our best, our, our greatest yeah. hits here. Um, I love all the people involved with this. I yeah, think writers and the artists are all fantastic and doing a fantastic job. But I would love one of them, whoever was the final decider of making the story about Valance, I'd love to just have a chat. I think you should yeah. come on this podcast and we should talk about that because I'm sure you had a very good reason to do it and we're missing it. And uh, I'd love to hear that. Tell us why we should love him. And I don't mean that as a challenge. That sounds really confrontational. But like, tell us why. Actually, tell us why you love him. Tell us why you love him. And then yeah. we'll love him because we know. Like, I that works for me. If someone tells me, like, we had a conversation. We won't go out on air, but we had a conversation before about Wonder Woman 84 and hearing someone talk about how much they love it and why they love it. Well, made me appreciate right. the film more because if I hear why sure. someone else loves something, I tend to also can love it for yeah. that reason as well. 
yeah, we're obviously not trying to be negative here. We love no. all, all the things, but this is one of the things that, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I want, it's like, it's like Lucky Charms are marshmallows with obstacles. Bounty Hunters is <laughs> Bounty Hunters with obstacles. And that obstacle's name is Bounce. That is amazing. That is the best analogy I think I've ever heard in my life. Like, I feel like I would have gotten like 100 points higher on the SATs if my mind worked that way. <laughs> I guess he's it supposed to represent a a sort of like, is he supposed to represent like a tragedy of the war, essentially? Like he he's he's basically a character who who believes he's died, like his human self has died. His humanity is lost. And now he's become this cyborg. Yet he hates droids and hates like machines. And he hates irony. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like this. Yeah, and it's just a, it's perpetual struggle. It's kind of like a Nietzschean character. I don't know. Like, it's it's totally pretty Sisyphus. dark. We already got like Maul is the Sisyphus. We that's you just need one. I'm just, this guy does nothing but get his butt kicked every episode and then like limp away. No, and then and uses his hand blasters because every yeah. episode we're reminded that he has hand blasters. I know. I thought that was very anime when he uh, kind of yeah. like lifted up his pulsar beams and it was like. Go to hell and fire <laughs> this massive blast. I I, I got really nervous for Forlom and Zuckus because I'm like, there's a moment where it does not go well for Forlom. And I'm like, if they kill off Forlom or Zuckus in this comic and I don't get a chance to see them live action or something else, I'm going to be really furious. Real mad. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, you know, fine. I just, here's the thing. Like, I feel like in in the heyday of the Star Wars comics all of two years ago, there were like three issues a week coming out. Remember that? Like there was a lot of comics coming out. There weren't just there were like if this is one of eight series, I might be okay with it. But we only get four series now. They've decided one issue a week, which is fine. Maybe that's okay. That's great. But if I'm only going to get good pace, good idea. Yeah, if I'm only going to get four series. This is not one of the mainstay four series. This should have been, and it was, and should have remained, a miniseries. Give us a four-issue arc with Valens would have been enough. I don't know. The, the character has had seven issues. We've did more with it when you count the other stuff. But we've had this arc for seven issues, and I feel like he's moved character-wise not at all. Well, remember like, they, started, no character they started him off with a miniseries, right? Didn't he get his own like four or five-issue run? He had like the he had the Operation Vader or Target yeah. Vader, Target right? Vader. The Target Vader, but he was also in Han Solo Tie. Yeah, Han Solo Imperial Fire. Cadet, Imperial Cadet. So he's he been Shadow. Wasn't there a sh- uh, Shadow Squadron? What's that called? Yeah, something like that. He's been in like they they keep. He's been he is like, basically like like Valance is to Star Wars comics as Marvel as as Conan is to Marvel comics. They're gonna keep throwing this character at us until we admit that we love him. Sorry, Grant. Well, he's pretty classic cyborg, right? I mean, like, I think he predates Terminator, and essentially he looks like Terminator. It's he it's doesn't predate cool. Vader, and Vader is the same character. Yeah. Sorry, but maybe that's Sorry. what it is. It's just raw nostalgia that is making you know those powers that be put him in these comics. It's like you know he was there in the inception of Star Wars with some of the early Marvel Star Wars comics and yeah. things like. And yeah. and so is Jackson. The nostalgia factor. Let's bring him back. Let's keep it keep it real. Keep it. So, uh, so is Jackson the Rabbit. So let's give Jackson the Rabbit his own mini his own series, please. I'm actually I would actually watch that honestly. No, or, I would more than I do this. I read that. 
in this case. Yeah. Or Rod. Um, Rad. All right. Well, that's enough on uh, Bounty Hunters <laughs> and the same conversation we, it's, we have on. about balance yeah. every time we talk about this comic. Um, what's next? All right. And I promise you the remainder of our conversations will be quite positive. <laughs> um, so we have Dr. Afrin number six, The Engine Job Part One, Headhunted by Wong, Height, Gill, Olzaba, Rosenberg, Karamanga, Francis, and Go. Or Joe. Uh, after being captured by a bounty hunter and delivered to Domina Tag, aunt of Ronin, the two women discuss a job, the theft of an ancient Nile machine, a Pathfinder. Or Path Engine. Damn it. Path Engine. That's my issue. Yeah. That's my issue, Adam. <laughs> what? No, I thought That's you were doing Star Wars. Uh, Did I steal it from you? <laughs> Star Wars number uh, nine has... The group are called. The group is called the Pathfinders. This is oh, called, that's why. Oh, that's <laughs> this you're is 100% called the Path right. Engine. The Path Engine. Uh, that's hilarious. I forgot. Yeah, but nonetheless, interesting uh, technological device introduced in this issue. I was and designed by the Nile. Big, re- big reveal. Uh, yeah. They're actually like you know, there's a lot of synergy going on. The, the higher public books are. Uh, going to release uh, soon within the week, within this, uh, I think January 5th, I think we're getting some of the first material. And then um, they're, they're working in all these kind of high Republic uh, references, which is really cool. And these path engines seem to be a technology from that time period used or designed by the Nile. So that was, that was pretty neat. So we have read like one chapter and I know, I think uh, Grant wants to do this next week. We're going to talk a lot about high Republic next week. Yeah. Um, but we have read in that first chapter, um something pulls there, there's a new technology that pulls a starship out of hyperspace or actually gets in its way and like actually gets in the way of it and destroys things in hyperspace it sounds yeah. like everything gets ripped apart in hyperspace in hyperspace pretty so, cool yeah, yeah it makes it's essentially they're terrorizing hyperspace lanes but i'm wondering if this path engine is what does that that's i had the same thought right <laughs> that's probably yeah yeah yeah, so this episode, I mean, it's a battle of wits between Domina Tag and um, Afra, but yeah, the headline is really this this path engine um, and the MacGuffin and all that. Um, and then the fact that they're talking about Nile here, it seems to be springing up all over this High Republic stuff is springing up all over the comics, specifically with Afra, because she's an archaeologist, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, this issue this issue was awesome. I mean, I love I I thought this had such a fun structure to it, where Afra's being hunted by all these bounty hunters in the galaxy, like in the beginning of this the issue, and obviously just lucky and um, uh, the ant uh, character. What's I forget his name. Um, they they're the ones that abduct or take her in basically, and yeah. then uh, and then she you know gets the upper hand, and then uh, and then she faces off against Domina, and then really cool moment where like Domina puts her in um, the kind of um, the, the 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 shield the um, or and uh, she can't breathe, and she has that flash oh, the ray shields, yeah. yeah, the ray yeah. shields, and she oh, has the flash yeah. yeah, 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 it's, it's Karak. Is the uh, it's the name Karak. of the ant. yeah Karak. The name of What's the, the name of that species, that Grant? Because that's the I know you like that. It could species. be the Killick. They could be the Killick from that's from Alderaan. Totally could be. Uh, yeah, we're seeing we saw a Killick in Mandalorian too. In yeah, the second season there. They're making I, a comeback. You're not the yeah. only one. I also love the fact that like I think we all liked Ronan Tag as the bad guy for the beginning of this of this new run of the series. Like super creative. Like this just like like spoiled 
like rich kid basically who just wants art and destroys it. And we meet his aunt in this in this uh, in this series. And I'm like, this is just another great bad guy against. And I love that there's a line where it was just like, um, like, you're right. I didn't bring you here to kill you. Blowing up my nephew isn't a motivation for revenge. It's a job interview and you pass with flying colors. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great. It's such a great line of like you just think she's like I remember you see her at the beginning of last or at the end of the last issue and you're like uh oh this person's totally gonna get revenge for this and she's like no I just hated my my nephew too and now I know you're like you're good enough to do this job yeah because he's he's a tough nut to crack yeah, yeah. Domina Tag is an awesome character I, yeah she's glamorous and beautiful and intelligent and dangerous and um yeah pulpy and fun like I'm excited to to see her story yeah. And uh, we get a promise of a of a you know fan favorite character returning for uh, for next issue, which I guess we'll we'll spoil momentarily, or I guess now. Um, now's good. Yeah, um, we get uh, Doctor. Uh, oh, sorry, we get Sonastaros. Right, and the Volt Cobra, one of the sweetest ships I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I hope we I hope we should get that ship in live action at some point. Yeah. I mean. We've been talking about like a Tessa Thompson Sana Staro show for yeah you know yeah hundreds of episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah accurate. it basically I, I it just it feels like this is a perfect character to bring to live action but also I'm very excited that she's being included in this this series and uh, we're gonna get some more stories with uh, Sana and Afra together if they yeah. ever did another like solo verse movie. Um, that would be a great character to bring. I'd in. love to. Yeah, it'd be yeah, so be awesome. Super, super. Yeah, like a solo two it would be perfect character for a solo two. Yeah. Yeah. Or solo three for that matter. Yeah. Yes. Or two and three. Why not? Yeah. Let's ask uh, for more. Just uh, move it to live. Just move it to streaming. I mean, we're kind of probably well, going to give us Lando. Every- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give John Kasdan and whoever like a online thing or like the the solo verse and let them go wacky i don't know if alden ironreich would be into it or if they could afford it or whatever but i think he i think he mentioned he he liked doing it and he was on board i mean yeah. i don't know how to say this i don't think he's going to be super busy with brave new world because i don't think that lit the world on fire right so well, he might be available now i'm going back to the thought that i had is instead of it being the han solo show it's the lando calrissian show and the sidekick is Han Solo. Agreed. Yeah, that would be that would be a very cool. Um, I series. I'll say this. I'll be surprised if we get through a Lando series and we don't get Alden Ehrenreich at least at, at once. Like, I don't know how you don't do that. And I'm sure his deal with I'm sure whatever contract he signed with Lucasfilm, they own him for appearances like they do. Yeah, they he want them, if like, they want him in there. Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, this is all assuming we get uh, Donald Glover as Right, we don't, not Billy no. D because we might actually yeah. get Billy D, no. and it could be like a I don't know. They weren't very specific about that. No, they're not. But I'm going with we're getting both. <laughs> let's let's go for it. Let's ask for yeah. more. We're gonna get him. We're gonna get bumpers with Billy D telling doing the the Calrissi Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be so great. I him cannot wait rolling to get... tank thing. Yeah. Just like writing the Calrissian Chronicles. Yeah, I can't wait for that show to release. That's gonna be incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, it does sound like we're going to a tech expo in the Star Wars galaxy next issue or, you know, something like, like that, up, yeah. which I'm very excited for. Like, I think that's really cool. Um, 
a really yeah, cool direction awesome. to, take, to take Afra because she's usually in ancient ruins. Bring her to like you know the new high tech gallery. You know, like I want to see. You know, she, I know she's a techie as well as a kind of archaeologist. So Afra is such a great comic. It's just it's too good to not be live action at some point. It's so good. I mean, all these things she's doing and it's like, I don't know, like the comics deserve their due and like people need to read good comics and they're fun and beautiful. But like, man, I could watch an app. Like if this comic book series was live action, it would just yeah go forever. Probably the only problem with that is that like you could, the actor will obviously age and they wouldn't be able to do it in time to do a lot of really meaningful ones. Well, there's, there's a lot of range to Afro too. It's like whimsical, like sardonic, and then it's also kind of like the high stakes and like yeah. you really do feel the dread. Like it's like a really cool uh, tone. Yeah. And I mean, she's it's, an anti hero kind of, yeah. right? Like yeah. she's not someone you're like you're rooting for, but she's not a good person. And it's like a really complex oh. character. But. For me, it's just going to all of these. Well, it's like yeah. Star Lord, right? It's like with Guardians, tombs. Yeah, yeah. It's again, it's Indiana Jones. If Indiana Jones didn't think it belonged in a museum, right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like bad Indiana Jones but in space, yeah. which I guess would just be Belloc. But anyway, right. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's jog on here. What's uh, what's next, Grant? All right, next we have Star Wars number nine, uh, written by Charles Sewell, the great Charles Sewell. Uh, artist is uh, Jan uh, Basaldua. Um, uh, colorist is uh, Rochelle Rosenberg. Letterer is VC's Clayton Cowles. In uh, my short summary for this is uh, Leia sends an elite reconnaissance team known as the Pathfinders with Lando and Lobot, of course, to steal linguistics droid from Imperial Museum on Coruscant. Their mission is successful, but comes at a price. <laughs> yeah. Was that a Cam and Noen that was part of that crew there? No. No, he's I have the book, guys. Don't make me pull up the book. He's uh he's Jarl, he's whatever species Jarl Poof is, who is one of the Jedi Knights and counselors in episode one. But fun fact. He was filmed in episode two, and then Lucas had him digitally removed because he realized he looked a little too much like, like the Cam and Owen. So, yeah. Subtle difference here. Yes. It was like uh, Quermian? Quermian? That sounds okay. right. I think that's what the uh, the uh, species name is. Random plug. If, yeah. yeah. Sorry? So this is a random plug. If you want to hear more about my thoughts on Yarl Poof, uh, you know, Google my appearance uh, appearance on Star Wars Minute. I talk about him in that in that series. <laughs> in your minute, you got Yarl. In the like, minute, in the minute, I got I got the yeah it's Jedi it's Council. Now, now it is. What's yeah. he got going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty sad. I mean, the, the, so their their mission is successful, but uh, they they do lose uh, a rebel, and it's. It's heart heart wrenching. Honestly, it was really effective. It's, it's I, I, also done really well because it's just off screen. You don't know his fate until a character just like, oh, we he he died, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, he died. <laughs> <laughs> well, you feel it in the, I think that panel where he's kind of looking up and getting crushed by the vibro pikes that, like that are wrapping around him or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if he died there. Maybe he's. I don't know what happened, but uh, yeah, that was a little strange, but um. No, in a good way, though. It was like more of a gut punch than actually seeing it happen because you're like your mind is like Star Wars, right? Like maybe there was some daring rescue or escape. And I'm like, maybe that's the next issue is like they're going to come save Yarrow Poof guy. Yeah. And then like, like, Needle. Like, his name's Needle. Needle, guy. that's right. And I'm Needle. like, no, I don't remember he dead. his name. 
Yeah, remember his name. His name was Needle and Robert Paulson. <laughs> his name was Needle Paulson. <laughs> um, the other thing worth mentioning is this whole plan was devised by none other than C-3PO. Yeah. Oh, him a you must have loved those C-3PO moments, Adam. I thought those were yeah. superb. Yeah. Like superbly yeah. written, I was, I was totally on board. I love it when when he gets a little bit, it's a little something more to do, and you get a little more than him just being. Artu's like, know. stop showing off and like like making no chirping. Yeah. Words. Yeah. It's like get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and they're they're now oddly going down this. It's with this wind talkers uh, story. Do you guys ever see wind talkers? I think that was the name of it. Oh yeah, the it's Nick a, Cage. Yes. Yeah. Actually, a fantastic movie yeah. about how, yeah. Yeah, yeah, how they used uh, Native American language as their code in uh, World War One. Uh, in one specifically of specifically Navajo, War. right? Is that correct? I don't know. Yeah. Yes, listen to us, historian. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel but, free to uh, fact check. There's a disclaimer but... at the end, everyone. Yeah. We're okay. <laughs> I uh, learned it by watching Nicholas Cage. He <laughs> wanted yeah. else. The, uh, there's a treasure. Learned. There's a treasure map on the back side of the uh, <laughs> Declaration of Independence. That's a fact. I'm a constitutionalist, and when I say that, I mean I've watched National Treasure many times. This issue was awesome, though. Honestly, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, very very fun. Wait, uh, shall we move along to Vader, which is total? adventure oh yeah let's get into yeah. it yeah. all right so we got vader number eight part three uh this is into the fire part three the eye uh written by greg pack uh rafael ianco is the artist uh naraj menon colorist vc's joe caramagna is the letterer um short summary for this uh after having dueled ochi of bastoon and losing his lightsaber vader travels towards a voice emanating from a nearby cave system inside he discovers the eye of the webbish bog a parasitic insectoid type creature that seems oracular in nature the mysterious life form bombards vader with visions and makes him choose between the pursuit of power or the love of family right let's just pause for a second and applaud the use of the term oracular yes <laughs> Yes. Well done, Grant. You just That's glanced a, right through oracular. You SAT words. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, I can't. There's no other word I could no, use. No, that is the perfect word. That is the word. It's great. Um. So yes. Ultimately, uh, or Vader battles. I, I don't want to be that specific. Just chooses destiny. Vader, yeah. you know, gives him a chance to choose his destiny. Don't is that how you look at it? Yeah. I, it was a fantastic thing. So the Eye of the Webbish Bog was in concept art in Rise of Skywalker originally. Um, Kylo Ren, at, at the very beginning of the movie, was going to have to deal with this creature and to get the um, uh, Wayfinder. Yeah. Um, but instead, he sort of just found it in a vault um, at the last Not minute. In a vault or on a top of a stone in the middle of the woods? It was forest. just on a, a stone street. in the middle of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Waiting for it. Moving on. Yeah, perhaps in the middle of a, a destroyed um, Vader's castle. Unclear. Um, but uh, they decided not to use the Eye of the Webbish Bog, and instead they're using uh, him here. And Vader, you know, essentially goes in there, does his thing, gets the, the, the Wayfinder, and is the only one to survive the Eye of the Webbish Bog. But um, he is a fascinating creature, and it's um, yeah. in time together. And um, 
yeah, very challenging. And I don't know, Grant, you seem like very much like, oh, he gives him a series of fates, right? There was one where like, so this, this creature's sitting on a baby's head and there's these great three panels in a row where the baby's head changes first to the face of Anakin Skywalker. He's like, this is what you want. And then it changes to Luke Skywalker and he says, this is what you need. And then it's like, but does it even matter? And then he's sitting on the emperor's head, right? Right. So you want to be Anakin. You need your yeah. son for redemption, but it doesn't even matter because your boss is going to keep coming back to kill everyone. Yeah, because you're in a cage, you know? And I, yeah. I started to feel in this, like, this is the plight of Darth Vader. He's like, he's trapped. There's nothing more anxiety inducing than feeling trapped. Yeah. And just like now he's starting to come to the like harsh realization that the emperor, he, he can't defeat the emperor. He's just too powerful. Well, it was cool. It was cool to see all of that, given the context of where we are in the timeline. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, like we know what he chooses for his destiny. Yeah. And in this issue, it's unsaid. He basically says he's chosen his path and you don't know what path he's chosen. Right. Yet they were all shown before us, the reader, which was really right. cool. I thought that was really smart storytelling, which was like, give us all the paths, but just don't tell us what the character chooses and let us see some more actions, you know, with more layering to the story and, and you know, more length to the story and, and, and going forward. You know what? I think I know what he chose, and I'm going to bring it to you right now. I think he chose all three. Yeah. He's like, no, I want it all. And he's going to become Anakin again. He's going to have his son... And he's going to defeat the emperor. And but in the meantime, it's like, OK, I'll play the emperor's game all in one act. So yeah. that's interesting that you say he'll play the emperor's game. So in in the sort of like this vision sequence, when the voice is talking to him, which I think you can read as either the emperor or the eye of the webbish bog, depending on how you read the scene at certain moments. But there is a moment where you see the emperor like sitting back in his throne, like cackling, like laughing at the at this entire display at the, at these visions taking place. Was that just a figment of Vader's imagination or, or does the emperor know yeah. about this trial with the eye of the webbish bog? The emperor knows and hears it all because I think the only time it's a vision is when it's in red, right? Like that's all I think anytime we see it in red it's a vision. And because it's weird because you see, um, you see him, you see the emperor, um, sitting there and you see his voice, his voice bubble is clear, like it's it's actually like solid white, right? And you hear what's happening in um, kind of this this um, kind of opaque, but word bubbles, right? So I, I I take that to mean we're actually cutting to Coruscant, or yeah, and seeing the uh, Emperor hearing this stuff going on. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's I had the same read on that where I, it's like the emperor knows about this trial, which then has me thinking like, does the emperor know that Vader is getting a wayfinder to Exegol right now? Like, or is this, is this the wayfinder to Exegol? Is that what this is? I think so. Yeah. Ben, and if think? it I is interested in the story that lies ahead, <laughs> given yeah. what he has right now. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And I mean, yeah, that quote where he's like, you know, did you, did you win? Or, you know, did you get what you wanted? Or did, you know, do you think you passed this test? And um, I mean, that, that leans me to believe that the emperor wanted him to find this wayfinder, to get the wayfinder for him and um, ultimately to bring Kylo Ren to him. Um, but we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting. It's wild how much sequel trilogy we're getting in this <laughs> Vader series between Empire Strikes Back and Revenge, uh, Return. It's crazy because upon initially seeing the wayfinder in the rise of Skywalker. And I guess in some of the concept art 
um, and things like that. Uh, I have thought that that had come from somewhere else and Vader procured it or the Emperor had procured them and given one to Vader. I never thought it came from Mustafar. Like it actually was with the eye of the Webbish Bog all this time. I never thought. Yeah, that. agreed. Yeah. So you think it was like maybe the Emperor gave it to the Webbish Bog to give to Vader? No, I mean, I just never thought this would be the sort of origin tale for the Wayfinder. I thought the Wayfinder was something that the Emperor collected somewhere at some point. Yeah, I, I still think that that is actually my guess is that the Emperor's pulling all the strings and like, you know, he's set up this program. Yeah. He's know. in the eye of the Webbish Bog. He's like operating it. <laughs> no, but like he's already mastered the eye of the Webbish Bog, even though they say no one's ever survived it. I mean, of course, the Emperor could have figured it out and been like, hold this for me. And yeah. No, and that's true right. because the emperor's history with Mustafar goes further back than uh, Vader, right? Like yeah. he's like, go to the Mustafar system. Yeah. Like he's the, he's the one who picks it out and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He already, Big fan yeah, of he already, Mustafar. Yeah. So sure. he definitely has been there. Give me that comic series, by the way, like Palpatine, like pre, you know, a Phantom Menace. Give me all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I love it. That is the Lucino book, right? The um, yeah, like, essentially, yeah, yeah, and um, but that that story needs to be told. It's so great. Um, it's a fun, fun. But Ochi of Bastoon, we get some more Ochi in this issue, and we get an Umbarin, I think, a character, uh, like a sort of like looks like a dark acolyte or something. I don't know. What yeah, I was trying to figure out what that character was. Yeah, yeah. You can never go wrong with an Umbarin. Yeah. Um, Rad. Well, um, good, uh, good crop of uh, comics. What do we got next, Adam? What are we going to do next time? I don't know. That'll probably be in two or three weeks. But oh, well, you'll be happy to know that the one, the one issue we're still behind on is uh, Bounty Hunters number eight. Oh, great! I can't wait to catch up right up but on we'll, that. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll probably do what we do most times. We'll wait till we have like three mm-hmm. or about three behind. And we'll cover that. So that should be in a couple of weeks. Sounds we'll do good. another set of three. Yeah. We'll do it then. And um, coming up next, I guess we got uh, Breeding Rathtar, right? Yeah, yeah. Breeding Rathtar. Breeding Rathtar. Welcome back to another Reading Rathtar. We are covering two more chapters from the From a Certain Point of View, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, we are covering Ion Control by Emily Schutzke and A Good Kiss by C.B. Lee. Uh, let's just jump into Ion Control first. Sure. What did you guys yeah. think of this chapter, this short story? Well, it's about uh, controlling yeah. a gun turret. Uh, at a very important time in yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, uh, it, yeah. yeah, it works for me because I Torn Far is a character that I is very much in my head, like quotes in Star Wars history. Because there's not a lot of women in Star Wars, as has been commented on a lot. Um, but she's there, and it's the very beginning. And I just every time I see her, I just think "Stand by, Ion Control." That's all I ever hear <laughs> in my head. And they actually fit that into this thing. So when they said that line, I could just I could just hear it through my just as it was, you know, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was fascinating to get like an in-depth, uh, you know, look at that moment. Uh, yeah. In the, the Empire Strikes Back when, of course, the Ion can't 
control operators are taking down or disabling the star destroyers. Uh, and it, it's just, it's cool to see a story like fleshed out, you know, behind the scenes uh, in that moment, because as a fan watching those, the, you know, those, that sequence over and over and over again, yeah. it's, it's cool to see those characters fleshed out. Yeah. Um, I do love at one point, I think in this short story, uh, um, torn, she's taking aim at the star destroyers. And uh, I think like they're, uh, at one point, she says, like, Imperials always favor, like, cruelty over st- above strategy. Like, yeah. you always count on that. And I was like, that is such an interesting remark because it's so true. Like, if there's one transport escaping, like, they're going to go yeah. after that. You know, they're going to try and yeah. take out. It's a great. I have that. I have that quote because I had the same thought and I like it. And the, the full quote is, it was classic Imperial officer thinking, prior- prioritizing the cruel over the strategic, shooting yeah. down the transport full of refugees, rebels, rather than taking out their Imperial... I'm sorry, their military bases and most critical defense. Torn rarely took joy in her joy in her command, but this she might relish relish. And then she says, Stand by ion control. <laughs> yeah. So that's my favorite thing because I love that line. And then they have that like awesome like internal monologue before that line. Yeah, I love how cool. they contextualize that. I like cool. how she has like two parts of her job. One is like defending the rebellion against like the threat of the evil empire and you know tyranny. Um, and the other is, uh, like spreading the hot goss about, um, Leia and on like, that's the other part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's what keeps you going. There's just like a lot of, you know, gossip going around about, um, Leia and Han and, and what they're doing. And she's right at the center of that. Yeah. She's very good at job. She's very good at, at, you know, targeting stars for the eye, but also keeping morale up. In her work group, indeed, yeah, indeed. Torin Farr's got good takes. She's yeah. uh, she's a good follow, guys. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to the next one? Sure. <laughs> Three and a half minutes on that head one chapter. Um, <laughs> we want to keep these short. Um, all right, and then the next chapter is a good kiss by CB Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love. Short yeah, story. Me I too. thought it was so joyous, yeah. and I was so happy that, uh, like you know, a character in the background, like a cook, you know, yeah. running Echo Base, is is finding love, like and escaping, and it felt perilous. It felt swashbuckling. It felt it was it was awesome, and then it was it was cool to see the like you know everyone has value in the rebellion. You know, like no no matter who you are, like if you're helping with this initiative, like you are doing good and you do have value in some way. And it was it was yeah. kind of a fun piece, with that, a fun message. Yeah. yeah, I had a great message to it, and I just love on Wikipedia. One of my favorite things is if you go to the from a certain point of view page, they tell you what each story like what character each story focuses on and you can click on it and it shows you a picture because it goes to the character scene. So it's just fun seeing like Chase Wilsor is a real, like there's an actor playing this character. And I clicked it. I'm like, Oh, I remember that guy in the background randomly for three seconds. That's nice to just now, every time I see Empire oh, Strikes Back, I'm going to see him walk by and be like, Oh, that's right. He's getting coffee for someone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's getting calf for someone. So remember when we read Hunger, uh, the Wampa chapter uh, short story, I had thought the the caves and Echo Base were like melted because they looked to be melted. Yet in that in that story, it was described as the Wampa's caves before the rebels had taken over and they kind of it had, you know, carved out that cave system or at least lived in it before them. 
but it, in this in this uh, short story, it does say that they, they did the, the rebels did like melt those tunnels. They basically created those tunnels. Yeah. So right, and we saw that in um, I think it was Star Wars one of the twenty twenty series, right? They uh, they were melting. Yeah. They were melting the cave tunnels. So right. I think it's a little bit right. of column A and a little bit of column B. We know the Wampas live there, um, and so there it was started to be Wampa caves, but then they expanded with um, technology. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and I just the other thing I love in this story is like I, I, I just love the fact that it it is him just overhearing the "you look like you could use a good kiss" line, like the classic Han yeah. Solo line. Yeah. And just the internal monologue of this character throughout it and having this crush and then like throwing that line back out at his crush was just I it's just like one of those like uh, it's such a great little moment because you're just like, don't do it, dude. Like that's such you can't pull off that line. You're not Han Solo. <laughs> I had a Brady Bunch flashback. Do you guys ever watch the Brady Bunch or was that a uh, before? Sure. No, absolutely. Oh, no. uh, there, there was like a scene where Greg Brady like sees this cool kid like hitting on this girl that he likes and he's so smooth and he's doing that like sort of aggro uh, approach and it's working and Greg tries it and just, he just looks like a jerk. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I sort of, but he yeah. pulled it yeah. off. It I'm works. Like, yeah. 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 I love that. Um, it's also, there's also the motivational speaker he's listening to. I think earlier. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That was wow. really cool. That was it. Was just a fun. It was a really fun story uh, overall. I thought I laughed the hardest during this. I thought it was joyous. It was good. Yeah. Uh, me too. You want to look ahead to next week? Just a little preview of who we're going to be talking about next week. Sure. What do you got? Uh, we got uh, "She Will Keep Them Warm" by Delilah S. Dawson. So that's one of our one Ooh. of our favorite uh, authors. Uh, writing about Mura, a Tauntaun. So we get a Tauntaun story. Oh. And uh, then we get Heroes of the Rebellion by Amy Ratcliffe. Uh, and this is about Corey Sele- uh, you know, pronounce this game. Uh, Corey Selagrothi, um, uh, a empire, someone who works for the Empire. So I think she, that character is uh, a journalist um, who... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out more about her. Journalist I have not read her. Sure. Yeah. I always like the, um, the Empire side. Uh, yeah. School always yeah always cool because it you know it seems so stoic and you know formulaic on the outside but um they have great stories uh very human stories on the inside cool well we did it again uh guys and uh thanks to all our listeners for listening to us this week um the welcome to all our new listeners um if you've kept going after the mandalorian we picked up a lot of you there um, and that's really great. Um, Adam did some numbers. We're actually nipping at the heels of Star Wars Minute um, uh, as far as our our <laughs> ratings go, which I think is pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of you listening to us, and we really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, really great. Next week we're going to do a special episode about um, the High Republic. We're going to do a preview episode because that's right around the corner. And so we're going to sort of tie together all of the things that we know to date about that um, before we get into that exciting new series. Um, and uh, that's what we're going to do. So thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. And may the Force be with you, always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you. 
always.